there. You're welcome to the Read Podcast. This season, we will be reading from the book Love the Way to Victory by Kenneth He Hagen. I do pray that you learn as you enjoy this podcast. Remember that the blessing is in the application of the word. Come on, let's get into it. Chapter 1 And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three things. But the greatest of these is charity, love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8 The Bible says that God is love. It also says that love is even greater than faith or hope. Well, since God is love, then we need to know what love is. That is, the God kind of love. In 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13, the King James Version of the Bible translates the word love as charity. Actually, it is to be regretted that the word agape was translated as charity because it doesn't really express the full meaning of the Greek word that is used in this verse. According to the dictionary, the word charity means a benevolent goodwill toward or love or humanity. But the actual Greek word that is used here is agape, which means the love of God. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the word agape is translated love instead of charity. For example, in 1 John 4 verse 8, the Bible literally says God is agape. In other words, God is love. So the word agape means the God kind of love. What is agape or the love of God? Before I answer that, let me show you something interesting about the love of God. The Bible says that love is greater than either hope or faith. Why is God's love greater than hope or faith? First of all, faith won't work without love. In other words, faith is dependent on love in order to work. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You can readily see that love would have to be greater if faith won't work without it. It takes love to make faith work. Second, faith won't work without hope. The New English translation of Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith gives substance to hope. You have to hope for something before your faith can give substance to it. So faith is also dependent on hope. Hebrews 11 verse 1 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, if you do not hope for anything, your faith cannot work because it has no goal or objective to believe God for. Therefore, faith cannot work without hope. Also, faith is dependent on love in order to work. That's why the Bible says that love is greater than either hope or faith. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 3 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, the God kind of love. I am become as a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, the God kind of love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and not have charity, the God kind of love, it profited me nothing. The Bible says that even if all the gift of the Spirit manifested through us without God's love, it wouldn't profit us anything. It would be as nothing at all. Think about that. If we understood all mysteries and possessed all knowledge and all faith, 
but we didn't have God's love operating in us and flowing through us, it wouldn't profit us anything. Even giving to the poor and self-sacrifice are nothing unless we are motivated by love. Nothing you do will profit you unless it is done from the motive of God's love. You can readily see why the God kind of love is so important and why the Bible says it's greater than faith and hope. Also, the Bible says that it is by love, God's love in us, that all men will know that we are his disciples. The Bible didn't say it is by faith or hope that all men will know we are his disciples. No, it is by God's love demonstrated in and through us that people will know we are Christians. John 13, 36 By this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. How is this world going to know we are Christians? Because we love one another. Love defined. If the God kind of love is so important that we need to know what it is, you understand, of course, that the God kind of love is not the same as natural human love. Natural human love can turn into hatred overnight, but God's love never fails. We find God's love defined in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8. You see, God's love is greater than all these things Paul lists here. It's greater than prophecy, tongues, and greater than knowledge. Why is it greater? Because one day all of those things will vanish and pass away. We won't need them anymore. But God's love will never pass away. There will be no tongue talking in heaven, no prophesying, no word of knowledge, or a gift of the Spirit in operation in heaven. Those things will have passed away. But love, the God kind of love, endures forever. It won't pass away because God is love and he is eternal. Not only does God's love endure forever, but the Bible says that God's love endures everything that may come along. What does it mean to endure everything? The Amplified Bible says, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Its hopes are fadeless, and the love of God will never fail. Now, let's read this passage in the Amplified Bible, because it defines the God kind of love more clearly. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, Amplified Version. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or manly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening love never fails never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end as for prophecy that is the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose it will be fulfilled and passed away as for tongues they will be destroyed and cease as for knowledge it will pass away that is, it will lose its value and be superseded by truth. I wish believers will really take time to let this passage of the scripture soak into their minds and hearts. Just walking in the light of these verses would solve so many of their problems. For example, notice 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 in the Amplified Version. 
Love endures long and is patient and is kind. Now, some people endure long, but they are not patient and kind while they are enduring. They endure long just because they have to, but they let everyone know they are enduring too. For example, sometimes a husband suffers and puts up with things because of his wife, but he is not too kind while he does it. Or sometimes a wife has to suffer and put up with some things about her husband, but she lets him know she's suffering. However, the God kind of love endures long and is patient and kind while it endures, and it does not weaken fade out or come to an end it never fails closely related to this verse 7 love bears up under anything and everything that comes you hear some people say i just can't love him anymore or i have had it i just can't love her anymore love can god's love can bear up under anything without weakening or coming to an end. And since the love of God is in you, then you can bear up under everything that comes. Maybe you've said, I just can't take this any longer, or I can't put up with so and so any longer. But God's love working in and through you can. Think about how God is putting up with all of us. I pastored nearly 12 years and I know that sometimes it can be difficult to put up with some folks. For example, I remember when I was pastoring, sometimes in the night time, I'll get to thinking about how God puts up with us and I'll start laughing about it. I'd say to the Lord, Lord, I am wanting to get impatient with some folks and here you are putting up with all of us. Well. God wouldn't ask us to do something we couldn't do. If he told us to love one another, then we can do it. Why? Because God is love. And we are partakers of his love, which has been shared abroad in our hearts. In fact, the most potent characteristic of God is that he is love. Love is God's nature. And when we were born again, his love was imparted into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love of God bears up under anything. Don't misunderstand me. I have been there when I wanted to quit from the natural standpoint. But the love of God on the inside wouldn't let me quit because it bears up under everything and it's never weakened, fades out or comes to an end. Therefore. If we will just walk in the light of God's love, we will never weaken either. We will be able to just go on loving folks whether our flesh feels like it or not. We are to love people with the same love that God is. Now look at another characteristic of the God kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says that God's love does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own. Therefore, the love of God operating in and through us seeketh not our own. The Amplified Bible says, Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way, or it is not self-seeking. That means divine love is not selfish. It doesn't put up itself and its own interests first. Do you seek your own interests first? Or do you put other person's welfare first? Putting other people ahead of your own interests is a good rule to follow to see if you are walking in the God kind of love. Too many times, Believers walk in the natural instead of walking in the spirit. Have you ever thought about it? Walking in the spirit is walking in the God kind of love. But too many times, people walk in the natural and get selfish. And no matter how much it might hurt someone else, they say things like, I've got my rights. 
and I'm going to make sure I get them too. But the God kind of love does not insist on its own right. As long as you are going to contend for your rights, you are not going to walk in the love of God. You will never be able to believe God fully until you understand and walk in the God kind of love. Why? Because God is love and the God kind of faith works by love. So to believe God fully and to operate in the faith of God, you must walk in the love of God. Love takes no account of a suffered wrong. One characteristic of the divine kind of love is that it never takes account of a suffered wrong. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5 in the Amplified Bible says, Love, God's love in us, takes no account of evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Your flesh would rather hear something different, wouldn't it? But this verse contains love's thermometer. Are you touchy, fretful, or resentful? Are you always taking account of the evil done to you? This is the divine love gauge. It is easy to find out whether or not you're walking in love by looking at your love walk in the light of this verse. As long as you take account of the evil done to you, you are not walking in love. But as long as you walk in God and in the God kind of love and stay full of the Holy Spirit, you won't take account of evil done to you. As long as you are taking account of the evil done to you, you won't be able to believe the best of every person. Have you ever noticed that natural human love is the opposite of believing the best of everyone? It is always ready to believe the worst of everyone. In fact, some folks are always looking for something to try to get on someone else so they can accuse them or talk about them. I traveled for years in the field ministry and many times preachers would say to me, have you heard about so and so? And they would start to tell me something bad about someone else. I'd say to them, I refuse to believe anything bad about anyone. I believe the best of everyone. And more often than not, it turned out to be just a rumor that was going around. God's love is ever ready to believe the best about every person. Since God is love, that means God is ever ready to believe the best about each one of us. After I was born again, something on the inside of me in my spirit seemed to compel me to believe the best of everyone. My flesh didn't necessarily want to, but the Bible says, that the love of Christ in our heart compels us to do what is right. You can see that in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. That is why we should let the love of God compel us to think the best of everyone so we won't be touchy, fretful or resentful. Then it will be much easier to take no account of evil done to us. 1 Corinthians 13 8 says that God's love never fails, fades out, becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Since God is love, then if love could come to an end, God could have come to an end. But God never fails, and neither does his love. Some people think it's a point of weakness to take no account of evil done to you and pay no attention to a suffered wrong. But it isn't. It is the God kind of love in action. And the closer you walk with God, and the more his love dominates you, the more you will forgive and pay no attention to suffered wrongs. Over the years, when someone did something wrong to me, I've had people say to me, I wouldn't take that if I were you. I've even had people tell me that this was a weakness in my character because I wouldn't fight people who fought against me. They said it was a character defect that I've never paid any attention to a suffered wrong. 
they'd make comments like, He sure told you, didn't he? I'd answer, No, no, he didn't tell me off. I've never paid any attention to what he said in the first place. I haven't paid any attention to a suffered wrong in all these years. I just keep on preaching and loving and staying healthy. Fellow ministers have even told me, Boy, I sure wouldn't take that if I were you. I wouldn't put up with that if I were you. I'll do something about it. But I didn't do anything about it. I just walked on in love and stayed healthy. I've noticed that some of those who said that to me died prematurely. I just learned that when people say something against me or do me wrong, I will hinder my walk with God if I criticize them or retaliate by saying anything bad about them. Besides, I know that the Bible says love never fails, so it is better to do something good for people who wrong me so I can put God's love to work in the situation. Many have failed and even died prematurely because they lived so much in the natural that they were always fussing and fighting. And that has an effect upon people, not only spiritually, but it has an effect upon them physically. I remember I went to pastor a particular church where the former pastor had experienced quite a bit of difficulty when he pastored that church. When he finally left the church, half the people were for him and half of them were against him. He stayed in that town and he would visit his former members and collect their tithes and offering, even though he wasn't pastoring that church anymore. And he would tell my church members that they were out of God's will because he was still supposed to be the pastor. Finally, the officials of the denomination found out about it and they came to me because I was the new pastor. They said, Brother Hege, all you have to do is say the word and we will dismiss him from the fellowship and take his ministerial papers away from him. I said, no. I'm not going to do that. If he keeps going like he is, he won't make it spiritually anyway. But I'm not going to contribute to his downfall. You see, love takes no account of a suffered wrong. But once I get involved in contributing to someone else's downfall, it will affect me spiritually and physically. I don't want anything to hinder my spiritual growth. And I don't want to give the devil an open door to put sickness or disease on me either. I don't like sickness. I was sick for the first 17 years of my life. And I don't want any part of sickness. And I know that in order to walk in health and to grow spiritually, a person has to walk in love towards others. I'll just rather let the Lord attend to any wrong done against me rather than getting involved myself because once i get involved i will probably get into trouble spiritually besides two wrongs never make a right so i said to those official no i'm not going to say anything against him instead of contributing to his downfall i'm going to help him i'm going to contribute to his success by praying for him then in the process of time i had the opportunity to be a blessing to this man He was a carpenter and built a house for his family. I went to him and said, I will wallpaper your house for you. When I finished wallpapering his house, he asked me, how much do I owe you? I replied, you don't owe me anything. The Lord told me to do it for you as a love offering. When I said that, he and his wife began to cry. They admitted that they had visited my church members and they repented. They said, but Brother Hagen, we never spoke against you to any of your church members. I said, well, in the first place, you didn't have anything you could say against me. But on the other hand, dear brother and sister, Did you ever stop to think about it when you visited some of my church members and said that they were out of God's will because you should still be the pastor, you were creating strife and division. You were really speaking against me 
because I'm the pastor of the church now. God put me there, so you might as well have been speaking against me. They both said, we were wrong. Will you forgive us? I said, sure I will. Then I invited them to come back to the church and preach. It was important that this former pastor be restored to the people and get things right with that congregation so he could go on in the ministry. But they didn't want to come back to the church to preach. They said, no, we can't come back and preach. The people don't like us. I had never allowed the people in my congregation to talk against this couple. That not only violates the law of love, it is dangerous. I don't want to talk against any of God's servants. Hello there. I trust you had a wonderful time listening. Do join me again next time as we continue on this love adventure. I pray that God's love will continue to find expression in and through you. I am Eunice. Enjoy the rest of your day. You're welcome to the Read Podcast. This season, we will be reading from the book Love the Way to Victory by Kenneth He Agin. I do pray that you learn as you enjoy this podcast. Remember that the blessing is in the application of the word. Come on, let's get into it. Page 16, Chapter 1 Divine Love is a Peacemaker. The Bible says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 It was so much better to reunite this former pastor and his wife with the congregation than allow strife and discord to prevail. When this couple lost that church, they had been thinking about leaving the ministry altogether. But because they repented and were reconciled to the congregation, instead of quitting the ministry, they went on to build a church in another place, and God blessed them. That was so much better than allowing strife to ruin this couple's ministry. That's why I'm not going to contribute to anyone's downfall. Love takes no account of suffered wrong. I'm just going to keep on praising and worshipping the Lord no matter what people do to me or say about me. And because I'm endeavouring to walk in the divine law of love, I'm going to keep on enjoying good health and the blessings of God too. Let folks say and do whatever they like, but I'm going to endeavour to walk in the God kind of love. Love is the best way, and it is our way because the God kind of love has been shared abroad in our hearts. Learn to let God's love dominate. Just walking in the love of God will solve all our problems at home, and it will solve all our problems in the church too. In fact, it will solve all of our problems in our marriages. That's why the Bible tells us that we are to make the love of God our great aim in life. The Amplified Bible says it this way, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Since God's love is so powerful and enduring because it never fails, why don't more believers do what the Bible says and make the love of God their aim, their great quest in life? In fact, how many of us can honestly say we have made God's love our great quest in life? Yet, God's love walking through us and reaching out to others can change anyone, even the most vile criminal, because the love of God can soften the hardest heart. The love of God can transform anyone. The God kind of love can even transform a marriage. I make mention sometimes about a minister's wife who called my wife for help because she was just about to leave her husband. Her husband was both mentally and physically abusive to her. 
I told my wife, see if you can get both of them to come over so we can talk to both of them. When they arrived, among other things, I asked them if they had the Amplified Bible. They did, so I told them, on a 3 by 5 card, write out 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8. And when you go to bed at night, both of you read those verses out loud and read them again when you wake up in the morning. After several weeks, the wife called my wife back and said, You know, every morning and every evening, we've done just what Brother Egan said to do. We've read those verses on the love of God out loud. Then she said, Every single day since we've been reading those scriptures, my husband has apologized to me. He said, I can't believe I mistreated you as I did. I can't believe I said those things to you. And instead of allowing his flesh to dominate him, this man began letting his spirit dominate him. The love of God had already been shared abroad in his heart or in his innermost being. He just had to learn how to tap into that love. When he started letting the God kind of love dominate him, his wife told us he's just become a different person. Not only has he become a different person, but so have I. I realized that to a large extent, I am to blame for him finally blowing his top because I just keep nagging him. I should have kept my mouth shut. But we are both different people now because of the love of God has changed us. God's love never fails. This was several years ago. My wife and I have seen this couple in more recent years and they are very happy together. They told us that their ministry is prospering and their lives are better just because they've learned how to let the love of God dominate them. The God kind of loved changed them both. Thank God they learned where the answer is. The answer to so many of life's problems is found in this statement. God's love never fails. Therefore, if you learn to walk in love, then you are never going to fail either. Are you? I'm talking about divine love. God's love in us, not human love. And if a husband and wife will walk in God's love, their marriage won't fail either. It will be absolutely impossible, you see. God's love is in us, but it is up to us to put it into action and exercise it so it can grow and develop. Since God's love will not fail, we need to find out more about this kind of love. We need to find out how to develop God's love and how we can cause it to grow and mature. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. You need to understand that love can grow and develop because it is a fruit of the Spirit and fruits grow. When the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it is not referring to the fruit of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Love is the fruit of the recreated human spirit. You receive the fruit of the Spirit when you are born again. In fact, love is the first fruit of the Spirit that the Bible mentions. Galatians 5 verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Another Bible translation says, But the harvest of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, good temper, kindliness, generosity, fidelity, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against those who practice such things. The Amplified Bible says, Against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. If you are walking in love, no charge can be brought against you. In Galatians 5.22, the translators of the King James Version capitalized the letters S in the word Spirit, leading us to believe it refers to the Holy Spirit. But W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament words points out that there is only one 
Greek word for spirit, and that is pneuma, which means breath or spirit. Therefore, sometimes it is difficult to tell whether the Bible is talking about the Holy Spirit or the human spirit, unless it specifically says the Holy Spirit, because the same Greek word pneuma is used for both words. But it is obvious that the Bible is talking about the human spirit here in Galatians 5.22, not the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I know that? Well, ask yourself the question, where does fruit grow? Fruit grows on the branch, which is the life that comes from the trunk or the vine of the tree. Jesus said, I am the vine, that is the trunk. Ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. You can find this in John chapter 15, verse 15. Who are the branches? The Holy Spirit? No, we are the branches. Fruit grows on the branches, not on the trunk of the tree. Therefore, since we are the branches, we know that the fruit of the Spirit refers to the fruit of our recreated human spirit. The fruit of love is produced from our born-again human spirit because of the life that comes from abiding in the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus used the illustration of a tree to teach us about the fruit of the recreated human spirit. In John 15 verse 4, Jesus made an amazing statement. He said, The branch cannot bear fruit in itself, except it abides in the vine. Love is the first fruit of the born-again human spirit, because of the life that comes from abiding in the life of Christ within. We used to have a pear tree in our backyard of our little frame home in Garland, Texas. It was a sugar pear tree, and those pears made great preserves. When I'd go out there and pick up pears off that tree so my wife could make preserves, I never did see those pears growing anywhere else except on the branches. Now, why did that fruit grow out there on the branches? Because it was receiving something from the trunk or the vine of that tree. The life that was in the vine flowed out into the branches Therefore, we can see that the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the recreated human spirit because of the life of Christ within our spirits. That life has been imparted onto our spirit through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. So, the God kind of love is written in our hearts or our spirits. If we'll just let that love dominate us, what a difference it will make in our lives. You see, because love is a fruit of the recreated human spirit, you can grow and be developed. Because the love of God has been shared abroad in our heart, it is up to us to do something with the love nature. In fact, even though the love of God is in us because it has been shared abroad in our hearts, it won't really work or be developed unless we put it into action. You see, developing and exercising the God kind of love is up to us. We can feed the love of God in our hearts on God's word, exercise it, and it will grow because love is a fruit. That's why we can develop in the love because fruit can grow and develop. In fact, think about it. Fruit isn't produced fully matured. It doesn't suddenly appear on the branches fully grown and matured. It starts out as a little bud and it has to mature by taking its life from the vine, from the trunk of the tree. Let me illustrate how the fruit of love can grow, develop and be increased. I have been married for more than 50 years. When I married my wife more than 50 years ago, I thought I just couldn't love her any more than I did then. But now, 50 some odd years later, it seems as though I hardly loved her at all back then because I love her so much more now. When my wife and I were first married, we promised each other that we would always be sweethearts. And do you know that we still are today? 
For example, we have made it a practice over all these years of marriage that after every meal, after we've prayed, we'll always kiss each other. We practice an attitude of love. Love practice brings great reward. Love always puts the other person first. Now, I'm not perfect, but I have always endeavored to put my wife first. Through all of those years, I have tried to do what pleases her. For example, when I am home, I always cook breakfast. I've done that throughout our more than 50 years of marriage. And when I make breakfast, I always give my wife the best egg, the best piece of bacon, and the best of toast because that's what love would do. Natural love? No. The flesh would say, I want the best piece of bacon. I want the best of everything. I want my rights and my own way. But I refuse to let my flesh dominate me. That would be wrong thinking. And I won't allow wrong thinking to dominate me. I let the love of God on the inside dominate me. Well, since the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, then we've got to let our hearts dominate us, not our heads, not our natural thinking. But you see, the less you talk about your love for one another and communicate it to one another, the further apart you grow. You could eventually go so far apart that you could find yourself wondering why you married that person in the first place. That's absolutely the truth. The same thing is true spiritually. The less you talk about God and the less you read the Bible or confess that you love God, the more your fellowship with God sorts of wanes and grows sour. After a while, it almost looks like you don't know whether you are saved or not. But the more you confess how much you love God and His Word, the more your love for Him will grow and develop, and Jesus will become more real to you. So constantly feed the love nature that is in your spirit by exercising the divine kind of love. If you constantly exercise it, it will grow and develop. The fruit of love grows, develops, and increases. The love of God increases by confessing it and by acting on your love. Love is revealed by word and action. Act in line with God's kind of love and watch your love grow and increase. Thank God we can grow in love because fruit grows. But think about this. The love of God won't really work for us unless we put it in action. Love won't grow and be developed unless we exercise it. So it is up to each one of us to see to it that our love is developed by exercising it. The Bible said, perfect love casts out fear. You can find this in 1 John 4 verse 18. Now, I don't know whether any of us has ever gotten to the place where we are perfect in love yet. But thank God we can grow and develop in love. Thank God we can be perfected or matured in love. That doesn't mean we are going to be perfect now in this life. And it doesn't mean we are going to be perfect as God is perfect. But it means that we are mature in the God kind of love. That doesn't mean we are going to be perfect now in this life. And it doesn't mean that we are going to be perfect as God is perfect. But it means that we can mature in the God kind of love. And the fruit of love ought to at least be beginning to bud in our lives. It may take time for this fruit of love to mature. We may not see the full grown mature fruit yet. But at least we can see some buds starting to appear. And we can know our love is growing and developing. I was holding a meeting at one time and three pastors came to visit my service. After the meeting, we all went out to eat and fellowship together. These pastors began talking about the subject of the love of God. I was just listening to their conversation. I wasn't talking much. You know, sometimes you can learn more by listening than you can by talking because you already know everything you know. Anyway. These pastors got to talking about how much believers fail in the love work. And one of the pastors spoke up and said, I'll tell you what, we need to pray. We need to pray that God will give us love. 
we just don't have the love of God as we ought to have. I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, since the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, then if a person doesn't seem to have love, he's just got to learn to walk in the light of what he already has. That's where the problem is. Finally, one of the pastors asked me, Brother Hagin, what do you think about it? I asked, do you really want to know? Yes, he said. Well, if you fellows don't have any love, as you just got through saying, then you need to get saved. They looked at me in astonishment, sort of like I had slapped them with a wet dish rag. I continued, the way you talk, we don't have the love of God, but the Bible says, we know we have passed from death unto life because of the love of the brethren. But the Bible says, we know we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And if we're saved, we've got the love of God in our hearts because the Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The pastor who had asked me this question looked sort of startled and then said, You know, you're right. He said, I'll tell you, what we need to do is just to pray that God will give us a baptism of love. Let's just pray that he would baptize us in his love. I said, there's no such thing as the baptism of love. Love is not a baptism. Love is a fruit of the created human spirit by the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. It is not a matter of needing to pray that God will send us love. It's not a matter of needing to pray that God will send us love because he has already given every believer a measure of the God kind of love, just like he has already given every believer a measure of the God kind of faith. It is just a matter of staring up and using what is already inside. I said, if you are saved, you already have a measure of the God kind of love. You can pray until you're blue in the face that God will give you more love. But the love you have will never be increased until you feed it on God's word and exercise it so it can develop. If you develop it, then it will be increased. Feeding it on the word and exercising it is the way you increase the God kind of love. Love has to be exercised before it will produce results because love is a fruit of the spirit. But if you will be faithful to exercise the God kind of love, it will produce great fruit. The God kind of love is a fruit. The word says that if we abide in the vine, we will bear much fruit. So if a believer doesn't have any love, evidently he's not abiding in the vine and drawing his nourishment from the vine as he should be. What happens a lot of the time is that the believer gets taken up with natural things and that's where they dwell. Therefore, they don't take advantage of what already belongs to them as they should. They don't take time to be nourished by the vine by communing with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. That's why we need to put spiritual things first. All you need to do to grow in love is to abide in him and let him abide in you through prayer and the word and communion with him. Then exercise the love that you have on the inside. Don't get discouraged if all you can see are just a few buds of the fruit of love on the branches. Just keep on abiding in him. Spend time waiting upon him and feeding on his word. And then that love that is budding will blossom and finally bring forth much abundant fruit to God's glory. Walking in the spirit is walking in love. I want to point out something else to you about walking in the love of God. In the book of Galatians, Paul talks about walking in the Spirit. Remember, this letter wasn't written just to one church. This letter was written to be read throughout the churches of Galatia. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. A lot of times when believers talk about walking in the Spirit, they sort of get misty-eyed and fog-headed. They seem to think that walking in the Spirit is some kind of mystical experience where they just sort of float around, caught up in the Holy Spirit. But really, walking in the Spirit is very simple. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is walking in love. 
Notice what Paul says about walking in the Spirit. First, he lists the works of the flesh. Then he lists the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16, 18, and 25. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, mother, drunkenness, revealings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Paul said, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Or we could say it this way, If you walk in the flesh, then the work of the flesh will be manifested and they will dominate you. Then Paul goes on to list the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, and revealings. But in verse 22, Paul also listed the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Notice what Paul says about walking in the Spirit. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 16. Well, how do you walk in the Spirit? To walk in the Spirit is to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in love. In other words, walking in the Spirit is walking in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Then Paul says, against such there is no law. In other words, when you are walking in the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law that can bear witness against you because you will be fulfilling the requirements of the law. So putting it simple, we can say that to walk in the Spirit is to walk in the nine fruits of the recreated human spirit. That is the essence of what walking in the Spirit is all about. Hello there. I trust you had a wonderful time listening. Do join me again next time as we continue on this love adventure. I pray that God's love will continue to find expression in and through you. I am Eunice. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.